Okay, uh, welcome back. Um, episode 13 of In All the Wrong Places. And it's been a minute. I'm so sorry. And last time I said, get ready for next week. It's going to be a good one. And it is. <laughs> it uh, That one just is involving a special guest speaker. Um, we just haven't had a chance to line up our schedules. For those of you who don't know, I am a wedding planner, um, an event designer. So the wedding season is a bit crazy for me over here. And I want so badly to create a structured system where I could record these episodes weekly. But I think that's why I tried not to put too much pressure on myself when I originally started and had just kind of said that they would happen when they need to happen, which is how we are currently rolling with things. But I'm here. I've got some stuff to talk about today. And I'm just grateful for all y'all. So this week, um, I really want to talk about the idea that we look for some kind of purpose in helping others, especially directly after tragedy or trauma. Um, I mean, it it can happen anytime, just even when you're dealing with stress and dealing with emotions. A lot of times we feel better for a moment if we're able to help other people. And I notice for me, especially that that does happen um, a lot more than I realized until I sat down and really started to think about, you know, the things I wanted to say in this episode and how often or relevant it might be in my direct life. And truthfully, it's a coping mechanism and it is also an avoiding mechanism. I avoid dealing with my feelings and I avoid helping myself because I think that putting others first is better for me. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we could dive deep into that and really overanalyze it. And, you know, maybe there's a part of me that thinks by helping others, good karma will come my way. Um, but I think the more that I sit with my feelings, the more that I show up for myself, as I've been saying on repeat over and over again with this podcast, you can't truly show up for others until you have mastered showing up for yourself. And once you confidently know, oh yeah, I take care of myself. I took care of myself this morning, which means now I have the space and the freedom to take care of you. Um, I think that it just puts you in such a healthier place that when you do show up for others, it comes from a more genuine, honest, real place as well. And I think that like a lot of times you might be blinded by your own... <laughs> sense of worth when you're helping someone as a coping mechanism or an avoidance strategy. Um, you know, you probably are coming at that situation from a bit of a blinded perspective. 
And so is that really the best time to help someone? Um, because you're not fully present or aware or even capable of helping them. And so you're almost giving them false help, which is just an inter interesting concept on its own. Um, for me, most of the things I wrote down and most of the things I wanted to sort of share and open up about don't even involve people. <laughs> um, yes, they do. I mean, I think that that's why I dove deep into work when um, we first started experiencing fertility problems and I hadn't properly articulated that to my family and friends or even to myself or even to Travis. Um, you know, we didn't really talk about it yet. I didn't really know what was going on or how I was feeling. And so I dove into work and my, you know, in work, yes, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving lives over here, but you know, I do help people. I do guide them through their own emotions sometimes. And it was a nice distraction to be able to step out of my problems in my life for a minute to deal with work and work with someone else and then have that because here's the thing we're we're doing it for the acceptance <laughs> we're doing it for the accolades because the moment that that person thanks me and pats me on the back and tells me what a good job I did. I feel validated. I feel worthy. And I suddenly feel like all my problems are easier to deal with because you know what? I did a good thing today. I helped someone today. And, and it's kind of like a, like a blanket, it's kind of like a bandaid, right? So here I am, I have this open wound and I've gone and done this thing. And this person has you know, thrown some polysporin and a Band-Aid on me. And great. That's awesome. I can walk away from that person knowing that I'm a little bit better. And then I go home and the Band-Aid's getting old and needs to come off. And I open it and I've neglected the wound and it's getting worse. And it's a bit more painful. And my instinct is to just go find someone else to put a band-aid on it for me because i know that for a small minute i will feel good um and useful and loved and accepted and wanted and needed and it takes me away from my feelings of jealousy and upset and anger and frustration and sadness and loneliness because for that small second I wasn't in my problem anymore I was in someone else's I think that's also why um for me personally I don't know how everyone else feels out there in the world but I I noticed when we especially when we had our first miscarriage um I was really drawn to tv shows not necessarily movies but TV shows, because it was like I was thrown into the lives of someone else for, I mean, hey, I went, I went deep and started Grey's Anatomy season one. <laughs> so uh, that was, you know, 17 seasons that I got to watch these people and live through them for a little while and step out of my own problems and watch someone else's problems. And yeah, maybe that is an okay, healthy way of coping. I mean, at least I wasn't harming my body or doing something else to myself, but um, it's still just a Band-Aid. It's still just a small 
distraction from what's really going on. And it's an avoidance tactic because I'm avoiding dealing with my own feelings and my own problems by stepping out of my life for those, for those small one hour doses. Um, and yeah, anyways, that was a tangent. (laughs) Um, because what I was trying to say at the beginning of that whole entire statement was that I do find, even though with work, I'm of course helping people that I leaned heavier into fostering. And that's sort of my topic for today too, is the fostering world. I wanted to just share a bit more about it and my experience with it, um, and go over some kind of new realizations that I've, that I've noticed, um, again, because I've sat down and been able to do the work with myself. So, I've been fostering dogs for, my goodness, five years now, maybe, yeah, five years now. And before that, when I was in university, I actually, um, I'm I'm not going to say I fostered with her. I lived in a house with my best friend and we, she fostered. It was her name on the paperwork. It was her technical responsibility, but I definitely love to take some of that credit sometimes because I did help out and I did love those dogs a lot, but it was definitely more her her thing. But she definitely is the one who got me into it, I would say. And so I've been working with the uh, rescue here in Barrie, Ontario. I don't know where people are listening from, so um, Canada. (laughs) Um, But... uh, yeah, Lost Boys Hope is their name. And we we started with them, it was December. And because I remember because we got our first dog was Aspen and we got uh, him just before Christmas and he had got adopted. And then um, right after Christmas, he actually got returned um, uh, for one reason or the other. And uh, we had him over New Year's. So... I remember feeling like I just needed to busy myself. I needed something um, to to take care of, to do. Uh, I was so overwhelmed with the fact that we had been trying um, with no luck and no help at that time because we'd only been trying for about a year and so doctors wouldn't see us yet. And so I really wanted to fill this hole that was slowly starting to grow and open. And uh, I felt like fostering was going to do that for me. Um, And the thing, the thing that drew me to fostering is the thing that everyone asks me about and assumes is the hardest. And it's the being able to let go of them. Now I'm going to talk a a little bit more about how that's changed and, and my feelings on that in a little bit, but at the very beginning, that was what drew me to it was that I was able to help these animals and take them in while also filling this, this void within me. But then I didn't have to commit to them. They were not mine forever. And I knew that, um, that they would be leaving. And a big part of that too, was that I felt like I needed, I needed a distraction for a little while because I 
I thought for sure we weren't going to be waiting this long to have a baby. So um, my head was kind of going towards, well, if we have this dog for five or six months and then it gets adopted, then maybe we'll be pregnant. And I will have just spent the last five, six months focusing on helping this dog versus stressing about getting pregnant. And so it was my coping mechanism is my way of avoiding and, and, you know, stepping out of my own feelings and what I was going through, because that's what we're all doing in some way or another. And we have probably, oh, I should have checked before, um, jumping on here, but I would assume we've probably had about 25 dogs in the last five years. One of them we've kept that's Nashers that everyone knows. Um, he was a sweetie and we've kind of had a range of, uh, of older dogs. I'm going to say older. They're probably like one to three or one to five years old, but, um, I would say fully grown dogs, um, and puppies. And I personally enjoy the puppy phase. Um, I find them a bit easier to take care of and manage. Uh, there's more rules with them. You can't take them places, uh, but th like they can't go outside for walks. Like your biggest thing is just like cleaning up after them and then um, getting through nighttime, <laughs> what, like with when you put them in the crate and stuff. Um, but we always used to joke that it was training us for when we did have a baby. And we would sort of tackle that together and take on shifts of getting up in the night to go let the puppy out to go for a pee and uh, really felt like it was helping us move forward in that next direction and, and prepping our bodies for what we thought was coming. So um, it also has helped us with Annie, our older dog, who... Um, doesn't get along with every dog. She's pretty chill, but uh, she definitely is more dominant. So if she's with another dominant dog, we have to be careful and just watch them. And uh, we noticed that with the puppies, she really takes on this like sweet, gentle mothering role. And we like seeing that. So it, uh, it for sure has been a very heart-filled, rewarding experience, uh, to say the least. We've enjoyed every moment of it and I have genuine fond memories, um, you know, some core memories, some really incredible moments with all of these little dog souls. Um, each has been with me through a different phase of our fertility journey and each has helped me get through in some way or another. Of course, my dogs do too, and they get tons of love and affection and attention from me. But um, yeah, the foster dogs were just a nice addition, a welcome addition to our home. Um, it's funny because there's so when I go to when I go to England, I have family in England, out in the countryside, and uh, they don't have numbers. I don't think on their houses, at least like whenever you're there, if they do have numbers, they're more hidden and the houses instead are names of, of something. Um, and I've always loved that. And so whenever I go, I always come home thinking, oh, I, I really want my house to just have a name instead of, um, instead of be a number. And so 
when we were at our old house, we, we were trying to think of what we wanted to name it. And uh, we ended up naming it The Sanctuary just because that was when we first started bringing the dogs in um, and allowing them to heal and find love again in humans and other dogs and feel safe and then find their forever homes. But also for us, it was really like the first step towards healing ourselves um, in our fertility journey, but probably so much more. Um, you know, I, as much as I hate that we've had to gone through this, it really has changed me as a person for the better um, in ways I don't know would have ever happened had I have gotten everything I wanted right away. Um, not to say that I think I deserve this um, or I think that it was supposed to happen because I feel like those are harmful words, but I definitely feel like I can see the good in some of the pain that I've had to go through. So that was a nice feeling. So anyways, that, that is ultimately what we ended up naming that house. Um, and yeah, just, we just really special bonds and connections were made with a lot of the foster dogs that we were able to bring in to our lives. And I think that it really did give me an easy distraction. I notice now um, when we had the first miscarriage in December, we had two little puppies with us at the time. And coming home from that experience, yes, my two dogs would have been enough had we have come home and only had them here. But there was something so extra magical about coming home to still having a full house of dogs who have no idea what's going on. They have no idea why I've been away for a few days. They have no idea why we're sad. They have no idea why our house is full of flowers and people keep dropping by. All they want to do is wake up and jump on you and give you kisses and wag their little cute bums and run around in circles and have you play with them and snuggle with them. And so it was a really, really beautiful thing for me to have when we were going through that. And it's so fascinating to me because a lot of times puppies get adopted really quickly who doesn't want a puppy? <laughs> they have no previous negative stories attached to them or concerns for bringing them home into a house uh, with children or with other pets or anything like that. And so I find when we have the puppies, the longest part about having them is you have to wait for them to go through their sort of um, quarantine phase just to make sure that they don't have any um, parvo or any other illnesses. And, um, and then pretty much once they get their second round of shots and they're, they've been in quarantine for the two weeks here at my place, um, they get posted and they're pretty much instantly adopted. I would say the longest we've ever had a puppy for was maybe four weeks, but, and so these dogs got posted and they were not getting adopted. And 
we didn't really know why and we were dealing with everything we were dealing with and so at first we thought that maybe they shouldn't be with us and they stayed until just after the new year and so we had them into january and i think that having them for that long really helped sort of heal my heart and i say that in a way that previously i i have uh, i have admitted um that sometimes bringing in these dogs while my heart was in the best of intentions it also was a way to distract me from what we were going through and in this instance i really believe that they healed me that they they helped bring me back from a really dark place so maybe a distraction yes however also really feel like they were what i needed and possibly maybe why they weren't getting adopted i think uh the universe loves to work in mysterious ways sometimes and tries to work in our favor when it can and uh and I feel very special. I feel a very special connection to that time for that reason. It did make it very difficult to let those two specific dogs go. <clears throat> I had a hard time with their adoptions. Um, I came home and and had some rough, <laughs> rough nights after that. Um, and it's interesting because we had talked <laughs> in great length about how they were they were going to be our last fosters for a while. We wanted to spend a bit of time um, just with our two, removing ourselves from that commitment and focusing on what our next steps were moving forward with our fertility journey. And I think I had just become so it was an easy, safe space for me to immediately bring another dog in <laughs> because that is what I had done for the last few years. When I was feeling pain and I didn't want to deal with it, I brought in a distraction. I brought something in to take my mind off of it. And so now I'm feeling pain, not only just from our experience and what we had just gone through, but in letting these two dogs go, my heart was very broken and I brought in another dog. <laughs> we brought in Joey um, and he was not a puppy. He was very large. <laughs> he was probably about like a hundred pounds and he was a big boy. Um, and I, I needed the, I needed the distraction. I needed the the chaos of bringing another dog in and making sure they got along with our dogs and taking care of them and all those things. And it did distract me <clears throat> and I probably wouldn't change it. <laughs> um, but I will not sit here and lie. And it was, it, it was a distraction. I, I did it so that I didn't have to sit with my feelings and deal with my feelings. Um, we always joke too, because I often will say to Travis, Hey babe, I did a thing. <laughs> Don't be mad. I did a thing. 
and uh, he he usually goes, what did you buy? <laughs> and uh, I'm not a big shopper, but I do buy a lot of things for the business. Um, so I always laugh and say, you know, I didn't buy anything. And then he'll always say, when do we get it? <laughs> As in, when do we get the dog? So um, that was sort of how I handled that situation. And uh, we brought Joey in and Joey was a lot. He was really big. It was hard to walk him. He did not get along with Annie very well, although they did coexist fine together, but you had to watch them. He took up a lot of space. He was a big personality and such a sweet boy, but he did take up a lot of our time and energy. Um, and so it was not always the easiest is the best way to put it. He was bigger. He was uh, a little more difficult to deal with, so he didn't get adopted right away. It took a, It took a while before someone took him in. And I think he's with a really happy family now. So we're very happy for him. But it was almost nice to have had that experience directly after the one I had had over our miscarriage and the holidays. Because I was feeling so much regret for letting those dogs go, um, I really felt like they had a special bond with me. And I mean, truthfully, I'll go there and say I was a little bit trauma bonded to them. Like they were with me through something that I had yet, I had not yet experienced and I was really suffering and they pulled me back from it. And so to let them go was, was very difficult. And then bringing this other dog in after letting them go thinking, okay, this dog's going to fix me. This dog's going to make me feel better. And then to have him be a lot, a lot of work, even though he was so sweet, it was a nice feeling to get back to a place where I was ready for him to leave and ready for him to go to his forever home and ready to get my life back. And that was when I finally sat down and started to come to all these realizations that, wow, for the last five years, I have been using fostering as a coping mechanism, as a way of detaching myself from my own feelings and and not dealing with what I need to deal with. And uh, yeah, it gave me a new perspective um, and and made me realize that while, yes, I am doing a good thing and these dogs are getting such a loving space to come into and, uh, and, and I know that we're doing good, I am almost torturing myself a little bit because I'm so used to that feeling and I don't properly know how to express this or explain this yet. And maybe someone out there is going through something similar, but what I'm noticing now is that I am in a cycle of bringing something in to take care of, devoting a lot of time and energy into taking care of this thing and then willingly allowing it to be ripped away from me so that I then am sitting in a place of without. Um, And I thought about it the other day and I journaled about my feelings around it and the things that I was experiencing. And it sort of made me think of my entire fertility journey where I am 
spending all of this time, I'm bringing in this idea of having a baby. I'm spending all of this time trying to make it happen only to at the end, watch it kind of get ripped away from me. And it is strangely comforting because I'm prepping my heart going into the situation to know that it, that this is not going to be mine, that I don't get to keep this thing here, but I am going to do it anyways. So that, so that what, I don't actually know the answer yet, but so that what I can feel better, like more prepared, knowing that, okay, I have done this cycle so many times now that you could throw anything at me and I can handle it. Um, you know, people always leave. (laughs) I'm watching a lot of One Tree Hill right now. Um, and nothing is infinite. Nothing is here forever. And so is that subconsciously what I'm doing? Sort of just this whole idea that I am putting myself in this situation, in this cycle to repeat the same thing over and over and over again to protect my heart so that it's already gone through all of this feeling. It knows how to deal with it. It knows how to handle it. It's an interesting notion. It's what it's sort of what I thought about the other day. And so my my initial point was that I find that we can get ourselves caught up in this idea that we're looking for that that feeling um and an acceptance from others we're looking for those kinds of answers when we help others first and that's why i sort of brought up the work thing because i feel that way when it comes to people and um because the people are the things that are that are giving me the validation I need. They're patting me on the back. They're telling me I did a good job. They're, they're, they're able to express, um, that sort of acceptance that I'm constantly looking for with the dogs on, uh, on that side of, of it. They're not necessarily giving me the validation, um, that I might be seeking. It's more of an, of an inward thing where, they are providing me with that distraction um, so that I don't have to deal with what I, what I know I need to deal with. Um, however, I still believe I'm doing a good thing bringing them into the house, even though I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and isn't that life, you know, that we are looking for things in the wrong places and, and possibly doing things for the wrong reasons because we think that that's what we should be doing or we think that that's um, where we should be looking for things. And so what I have done now is after we just let go of Bonnie, who, whew, Bonnie was a tough one to let go of, bringing her in 
I don't necessarily think it was the order of, of when we brought her in, but she was everything we wanted in a third dog. And we have had some conversations uh, about what comes next for us. And while we are still on the fertility train and we are still very hopeful and very much looking forward to the idea of bringing home an Earthside baby, we... We have had the tough chats about what happens and we both feel comfortable should we ever need to get to this place, um, bringing in another dog and going on a trip and moving forward with our lives, um, as they are, because we really do love our life together and, and we love each other and we love this community that we've built and we aren't unhappy, um, we aren't unfulfilled and we don't feel like this is a hard one to say because we don't feel like we are missing something, but yet we do feel like we are missing something, but we're trying to come at it from a perspective of like, we have created this beautiful, beautiful life together and it would be so amazing to be able to have a child and have this child be part of this life with us. But the realist in me is saying like, there is a chance that that might not be what happens and we have to be okay with our life without. And so we're trying to get ourselves there. And so we did talk about, you know, if, if we decided to not move forward anymore, we would get a third dog. And then how ironic is it that a third dog was literally dropped in our laps and was the perfect dog for us. Everything about this dog was like, yep, 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 yep. Exactly what we would have wanted if we could have written on paper what kind of dog we want. Looked like little Annie, had the personality of Nash, was so sweet and friendly and well-behaved and smart and just like so much about her brought this like new sense of life into me like holy cow I I don't know what to do (laughs) so we let her go um and she's with a lovely family and we're very happy for her and we are hoping that she's doing really well but we have had the chat now that you know I think I need a a mini break from taking care of other things for a little while. And I want to pour that energy back into myself and really sit with my feelings and be able to to look after myself the way I, I keep trying to distract myself by looking after others. So that is the focus now. And I challenge you to look at what you're doing as well. You know, maybe you are giving, giving, giving and not receiving from people in your life. And maybe you are struggling with that. And I think that, like I said at the beginning, I really do believe that we cannot give proper healing to another person if we aren't first healing ourselves. So it's like, wake up in the morning and fill up your cup. Do what you need to do for you, 
so that once that you've once you've done that, then you can look and be like, okay, I filled my cup up. Now who else needs help filling their cup up? And I think that when you come from at it from this place of of well, I've already taken care of myself and now I have so much else to give, it's you can see it. You can see the people who take care of themselves first. Um and you can see the people who are drained uh, from taking care of everyone else and never giving themselves anything. So challenge you to work on it, uh, to think about it today and, and this weekend and figure out, you know, where you could take a break and go do something for yourself. Um, you know, my one girlfriend has two children and we had this discussion the other day and she she talked about how much guilt she has sometimes around staying and taking care of everyone and coming up with plans for everyone to make sure that they're all having a good time. And she was able to leave for an entire day the other day and really take care of herself. And I think that that probably went into her week with a better sense of being able to take care of everyone else because she had already done so much for herself. And, you know, maybe that is once a week, maybe it's every day. Maybe, you know, I think that you have to figure out on your own what you need and, and how much of it you need before you can really like make that commitment and, and um, move forward with it. And I, I definitely don't think I can tell you what to do because I think everyone is so different. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's it for this week. <laughs> I feel like that one was a bit more mm, ranty than anything, because a lot of my feelings that I've been writing down about this topic, I haven't yet felt or dealt with. Um, so I don't really have any, anything other than just my random thoughts on, on this, but that is, that is the week. So we're moving into a long weekend here and I hope that everyone has a really, really great time. Take some time for yourself. Um, go do something for you. And again, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. This is where people usually say things like, you know, go rate and subscribe and, and comment and show me some love. But um, regardless, just showing up and listening is... Uh, it means a lot to me. So thank you. And I hope you all have a great weekend and we will chat next time.